Hello, you found Dogmatically Imperfect Condensed Imperfection, a condensed version of Season 1 episodes in a more digestible time frame. Today's session, Why Hell is the Center of Christianity. Hell is the centerpiece of Christianity, not Christ. Now, how in the world can I say something like that? Well, let me start by pointing out that this idea of eternal punishment is not an extension of Judaism. And when we think about the understanding of Saul of Tarsus, right, his religious idea was rooted in Israel being God's people. Being an Israelite was not an eternal life, you know, heaven-hell consideration. It was a temporal here-and-now consideration. And even then, Israelites were subject to the blessings and curses based on the actions in the here and now, and the consequences were here and now. There's very little discussion in the, of the afterlife in the Old Testament, which is the foundation of the Christian idea. Saul was opposed to the followers of Jesus in an attempt to preserve Israel from God's wrath when Israel strayed from the law. Well, let me say it a different way. Um, throughout the written history of Israel, we see a pattern that when Israel strays from the law, God gets mad and punishes Israel, right? Exile, the whole thing, right? So Saul is so zealous and vigilant in his efforts to prevent God's judgment on Israel because of these doggone Jesus followers. Saul's like, not on my watch, man. No, this ain't going to happen. No, absolutely not. I'm going to make sure that, that we preserve what we've been taught. And once again, this really points out that Jesus taught contrary to the written word. That's why they killed him and tried to stamp out his followers. Okay, so eternal damnation is not part of the equation. Temporal damnation is a major, major concern. In addition, we see in the Old Testament, if you go back and watch, uh, not now, but in but session two, don't watch it now. Uh, I think we established that, it was. I think it was in that session, that God is not against the them. Anyone outside the us, which in the Old Testament times is Israel, you know, Abraham, uh, chosen people, the whole thing. I mean, remember, Jonah was mad at God for sending him to the them in Nineveh. Jonah chapter three or chapter four, uh, I can't remember right off the top, uh, but Jonah's upset with God and says, look, I knew you were going to forgive him if they repented. I'm pissed, man. That's why I didn't want to go in the first place. We're supposed to be the chosen people, and you're over here blessing them. Because look, I know that you're slow to anger, abounding in grace. Look, just, just, just let me die. I don't even want to live in a world where they are equal to us in your eyes. Good grief. I might as well have just died in the fish. And of course, God gently rebukes him and doesn't hold his prejudice against him. Not because he wasn't an Israelite, no, 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 but because Jonah is human, okay? So we see there is no thought of eternal punishment in the Old Covenant. And we're reminded again that God is not against them. Now that's a little bit of review. And right now, if you haven't shared yet, now's a good time because we're getting ready to, to get into some pretty important thoughts of Jesus right here in our Bible. And if you have your Bible handy, in fact, um, we're going to look in, the, we're going to be in the book of Luke. And let me just start there. But again, it's not cumbersome for me to remind you, if you're driving, 
don't violate wisdom. Keep your eyes on the road. Now, if you're not otherwise occupied, turn to Luke, and we're going to be in Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're going to be in the sixth chapter of Luke. And we pick it up in verse 27. And Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Spitefully use you. Okay. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer him the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, don't ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Verse 31 here is one of the key verses, not necessarily in our teaching today, although it is very, very relevant. But this, you see this idea um, throughout all the Gospels. And you see that Jesus really wants people to understand that consider what you would want somebody to do to you and then treat others that way. This, and we like to call that the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And it's not just, you know, do to, but think about it. Think about how, how you somebody, want somebody to treat you. Think about how you would want somebody to treat you and treat them that way. This is a central tenet to everything. And this is the kingdom of God, if you want to get right down to it. The kingdom of God is when you treat others the way, when everybody treats others the way they want to be treated, that's the kingdom of God. Um, so in verse 32, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. In verse 35 and 36, these are going to be our key verses right here. Uh, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. Well, this is interesting. If you act this way, man, I, I, I wasn't even going to talk about this right now. But if you act like this, you become a child of the Most High. Wow. This has very large ramifications on our dogma, doesn't it? This, this doesn't say if you believe properly, you'll be a son of God. It says if you act in this manner, if you act in a way that... Uh, that is in accordance with the kingdom of God, then you will be a child of God. Think about that. This is a, this is a huge verse, and I, I really wasn't even going to talk about this, but you will be sons of the Most High if you act in this specific way. Right? And, and other uh, versions, not versions, but in other uh, chapters uh, and books, Jesus said, look, I know you've heard an eye for an eye, but that's, that's not God. Man, are we going to hearken back to this? Okay, remember the, the disciples we talked about a couple weeks ago. Do you want us to call down fire? That's not me. That's not me. So let's just keep going because the, the key verse is about, the key parts of the verse is about to come up. For God, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your father is also merciful. Wow. We see very clearly 
that God gives without expectation, forgives without being asked, and is kind to the evil. And I know we've been going over over this for a few weeks now. Look, God is not angry. God's not looking to get you. God isn't... Look, here's what we were taught, okay? God hates sin. He can't be around it. So to accommodate God's own righteousness, God created a place to put sin where it will be either A, completely destroyed, or B, not destroyed, but tortured and tormented forever. Okay, we got a place for that now. And look, God really does love everyone, and he wants to bring everyone to heaven, but, you know, he, he just can't. He can't get around his own holiness. God's holiness demands vengeance and retribution, but God really does it out of love, and you know, as he eternally punishes the them, it's really in love. Hmm. Doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? When I say it like that, and, and maybe it sounds like I'm mocking. I'm not mocking God. Do not get it twisted, as they say, right? That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying the idea that we have is very contrary, even in its own assertion. So the question is not, where do we get this idea, idea of hell for anyone who is not the us? That's not the question. Look again at the key verse. And let me get my glasses back again. Verse 35 and 35C. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. And verse 36, therefore, be merciful as your father is also merciful. We've talked a lot about the idea that God's not angry. God's not looking for an excuse to burn cigarettes into your back for eternity, right? Hey, look, hold out your arm. Look, I told you not to watch that, that Victoria's Secret commercial on repeat. Hey, Satan, listen, do me a favor, light a cigar and burn them extra long. I, want, I don't want the little small burns. I want the big ones. That's the idea we have about God. But what does Jesus say? Again, verse 35c, God is kind to the evil. And verse 36, so be merciful even as God is merciful, full of mercy. This is how Jesus describes God, and this is also how Jesus behaves. We see this in every single scenario. And at some point, our dogma shifted from a merciful God to a bloodthirsty, out of control, who prepared eternal damnation before the foundation of the world, before humanity was even created. And it's not difficult to find out, to, to figure out where this comes from. We had a lot of different scriptures that refer to the wrath of God. We have a lot of scriptures that refer to retribution. And these scriptures have become the centerpiece of our dogma. Those particular, not the whole thing, but those particular scriptures. And the center of our theology revolves around avoiding God's wrath, avoiding God's punishment, avoiding hell. And some say, no, 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 no. Our theology is centered on Christ Jesus. You know, that's kind of why we're called Christians. Well, I got news for you. That's not true. And let me, let me ask you this. And just do this little thought experiment with me, okay? If I took hell out of the equation, 
What role in our theology does Jesus serve? Think about that, and I'll ask you again. If I took hell out of the equation, we don't have to worry about it anymore. What role in our theology does Jesus serve? I'm just giving you a second to ponder as you're listening to the silence. If you're listening to the audio only, it's not a it's not an error. I'm pausing for 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 uh, you know what do the what does the scripture say? Selah, right? We see that all the time, which means think about it. Think about this: when things don't go our way, or it seems like God's promises go unfulfilled, especially in the area of healing, we default back to this idea. You know, God's ways are just not our ways. They're much higher than our ways. And who can know the mind of God? You know, God is sovereign. He could just kind of do what he wants to do. So he doesn't have to really follow the promises in the book. I mean, I know they're his promises, but but he's sovereign. He doesn't have to do that. He changes his mind. And guess what? He's got a good reason. He can see around the corner and he knows why that he's not going to uphold his promises in the word. He's got a higher purpose. He's got a higher calling. That's what we've been taught. That's, that's, we, that, this is how we can literally stand on promises that go unfulfilled and remain in a faith that doesn't fulfill its promises. Remain, continue to have faith in a God who doesn't even abide by his own word. I mean, we say this is his word. And when he doesn't abide by it, we give him a pass. Verbally, I don't know. Uh, outwardly, we give him. Internally, we're going through all kinds of all kinds of turmoil, and oh man, I don't want to blame God. Oh, da da da. We go through all that stuff because oh, God is sovereign. But guess what? We don't take that approach when it comes to the idea of eternal damnation. Even when we have a scripture that gives us the very answer that we're looking for, let's go ahead and look at. Let's take a look at Romans chapter nine. And we're going to look at verse 15. And this is Paul. And Paul's talking about when God talked to Moses. Okay. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. And I'll have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. Wow. God is sovereign, right? God says to Moses, and we went over this last week. Remember we were in uh, uh, chapter 9 and we're going back and forth. Hey, well, look, it's the people and it's not the people. The people are not the people. And God's going to, you know, raise you up to, to, to kick you down. And But he's going to show mercy on who he wants to have mercy. And we didn't really take time, stop and take time to look at it. We just kind of glossed over it. But let's take a look at it right now. God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on on whom I will have compassion. Wow. God is saying, I'm sovereign. I can forgive whomever I choose, whenever I choose. And God told this to Moses way back, before Judaism got to where it was in the time of Jesus, that God will forgive whomever he wants. And we see Jesus do exactly that, right? He forgives people before they even ask. And Jesus repeatedly says that if you want to be like your father in heaven, be kind to those who do evil. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe Christians define kind differently than Jesus did, 
Christians define kind as a lake of fire and eternal torture with all your senses intact, right? A never-ending torturous existence with worms eating your soul, all because you didn't believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. I mean, you weren't an evildoer. You were a non-confessor. You could have lived the best life ever, but if you didn't confess, uh, you know, sorry for you. It's just really, really too bad. I, I, I just feel so bad for you. <laughs> you know, okay, I just saw this video yesterday about this little island in the Indian Ocean. And it's a people known as the, uh, I'm trying to remember the name, the the, Sen, the Sentinelese or something like that. Anyway, I, I, I know I butchered it and I apologize, but they're an indigenous people who have been completely isolated. They're on an island. They've been completely isolated from civilization for thousands of years. And anybody who tries to visit this island is killed by this tribe of people. And the, 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 the latest guy that tried was, I think, 2018. He was a 26-year-old Christian missionary who thought that God was sending him to evangelize this people group so they wouldn't end up in hell. And he thought he was fulfilling the last of the Great Commission. Right? Okay, this, so, and this is where, man, last week we talked about the uh, arrogance of our faith, right? Well, look, God can't do, God can't come back. And uh, the, Jesus can't return a second time until the whole earth is evangelized. And really, it's up to them if they, if they you know, accept or reject. But we at least have to go evangelize. So, hey, look, I'm going to do my part so God could do his part. As if God's sitting there with handcuffs. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but so I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, uh, let me stop the other. I'm going to go back to this now, right? So these other, the people on the island, they are people that protect their land fiercely and kill anyone who shows up. And really, this young man was no different. And I'll, I'll go ahead and post a link to the article. I don't have time to read it all here. It's, it's really an interesting story. Um, but again, like I said, it harkens, harkens back to last week's session. Modern Christianity is arrogant to the point where we can't leave people alone. We're right. Everyone else is wrong. And they're all going to hell if we don't get them saved. And the way we avoid hell is through Jesus. So we think that Jesus is the centerpiece of our faith, when in reality, hell is the driving force. Without hell, we think there's no need for Jesus to die on the cross. And this is the reason we skip over all the things that Jesus taught. What I'm saying is that the us-them mindset is so very corrupt that God is rejected as a result. The us, man, the us them mindset of the of the Jewish leaders, understand? To the point where we killed God, and you're like, hey, 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 Justin, we didn't kill God. That was the Jewish leadership, but but you know it was really part of God's plan from before the foundation of the world. <laughs> Look, we are no different from the Jewish leadership in the days of Jesus. We have the same formula, just a different them. The thing that we have done is raise the stakes. We paint them as hellbound sinners unless they convert to us. But we aren't even all on the same page. Now, some people, you know, they claim to be Christians and they think they're a we, but they've been deceived and, and they are just as hellbound also. And actually, it's really kind of sad that they were duped into being zealous for a wrong belief system. And it just really sucks for them because they're going to end up burning crispy critters for eternity. And, you know, it just is really not fair. God doesn't want it that way, but it just kind of is because they didn't believe right. They thought they were believing right, but they didn't.
you know, not only do we see every other them as hellbound, but we live our lives walking on eggshells from fear of being corrupted and being kicked out of the right club. And many of you listening right now think that I'm in this category for what I'm saying in this series. You completely ignore what I'm advocating and focus on the part that puts me in the hell category. And you're ignoring everything that Jesus modeled. You're ignoring everything the way Jesus described the nature of God. You're ignoring the Imago Dei in them because you're afraid of hell. You're deathly afraid of becoming a them. And guess what? This is the criticism that Jesus had for the religious leaders of his day. Their religious arrogance put them in a position of judging others and not showing mercy. Jesus told them, look, don't be that way. Don't be like that. And when it finally came down to it, Jesus forgave them anyway, before they asked for forgiveness, before they even knew they did anything wrong. Some said, no, he didn't. And you're exactly right, except for when he was on the cross. <laughs> so I have some good news for you. Yes, you are forgiven. But not because Jesus died on the cross. <gasps> oh, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he said that. What? Did you hear that? Did you hear that on camera too? He said that we're forgiven, but not because Jesus died on the cross. What? Yeah, remember Jonah? He wasn't forgiven because he was an Israelite. He was forgiven because he was human. And you're forgiven the same way the Jewish leaders were forgiven. You don't realize what you're doing. You're forgiven the same way Saul of Tarsus was forgiven before he even invented the sinner's prayer. And we just read what Paul said. God's going to, referring back to Moses, God's going to show mercy on whomever he wants to show mercy. He's sovereign. God in the person of Jesus showed mercy to everyone he came in contact with. And this was completely misunderstood by his followers. They couldn't wrap their head around the idea that Gentiles were a part of the us. Remember Jesus said, he was like, look, guys, I got a lot of stuff I got to tell you, but you, you, you're not able to handle it. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Jesus is like, uh, I got stuff to tell you that you're not going to be listening to me. You guys are sitting over here thinking about b building a kingdom. Hey, I, 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 hey, I want to be number two. I want to be the vice president. Yeah, I want to be the secretary of war, Peter. I mean, I want to be the secretary of the treasury. Where is Judas anyway? Where is that guy? I know he wants to be secretary of the treasury. You guys, are, you guys can't even get it around your head that I'm not doing that, right? And if you are not Jewish and you think that you're a part of the right group, you are perfectly comfortable walking in heresy. What heresy? They thought it was for only Jewish people. And for somebody who's been grafted in, you sure take a narrow view of who actually qualifies for unconditional love. But I'll tell you why. It's because you have hell as the centerpiece of your theological world. If you were to die today, can you say you're certain that you would make heaven your home? 
If you have any sin in your life, do you want to risk spending eternity as a trespasser in the place created for the devil and his angels? You don't belong there. That wasn't created for you. And, and he's going to have fun torturing you. You're in his world now. He's going to do everything he ever wanted to do, but he never could do it while you were here on this earth. And he's going to do that to you if you have sin in your life and if you don't believe the right way. But I got good news for you. Before the foundation of the world, God knew his plan for humanity would fail and you would be hellbound. God created us with the choice, but if you choose wrong, his plan is to burn you forever. He doesn't want you to burn. So he sent his son to take your punishment for you. The crappy part is how many people don't even believe this. The best plan God could come up with doesn't even help a third of humanity. God really does love the other two-thirds of humanity, like those people on the island in the Indian Ocean, but unless they hear about Jesus, they're going to hell too. Hell, 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 hell. But if hell is not part of the equation, why did Jesus even die on the cross? Now that, my friend, is an excellent question. And I want to explore that coming up on the next session. But for about a week or so, I want you to ponder that question until that next session. For the rest of this session, I want to focus on this. When you take into consideration the idea that God is for the them, episode 002, and combine that with the idea that the Samaritan was the man's neighbor, that's episode 001, and combine that with the description of God as being merciful to evildoers, what we just read today, and combine that with the fact that Paul refers to God telling Moses way, way back, that God is sovereign and will show mercy on com and compassion on, on whoever he wants to, and combine that with the fact that Jesus forgave people before they asked and before, the, before he even shed a drop of blood. And we talked a little bit about the Gentiles and Peter's vision. They're already clean. And remember that Saul of Tarsus was forgiven before he even invented the sinner's prayer or the Roman's road. Right? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. I'm trying to tell you, hell isn't on God's mind at all for humanity. And any time Jesus spoke about hell, it was in a parable, a story. It was kind of like one of those kind of like references. <laughs> I don't know if you got that. It's kind of like a kind of like reference. You know, I, I'm always doing movie references. It's kind of what I do. As an example, I, and this isn't really a movie, but it's a video. I watched this guy on YouTube, SB Mowing. And if you haven't watched him, check him out. He's a landscaper and he finds houses that have, been, have completely ne neglected yards and they're overgrown with tall grass and weeds and volunteer trees all over the place. And he knocks on the door and he gets permission to cut it all down for free. He does it for free. And the people are like, are you sure? You sure? I mean, can I pay? He goes, no, no, no. I don't want any money from you. I want to do this for you. Right? And he films the whole process. And I get to watch the transformation take place. And then at the end, you see the before and after images. And it's quite dramatic. And it's very satisfying to see the cleanup as it happens. 
and he does it section by section, right? He does wherever he sets the camera here and he edges the grass, scrapes the, the sidewalk and the driveway and the gutter. Right? And he trims the trees. And then he gets the blower. And he clears it all away. And then finally he gets his riding mower and he cuts it all down. All right. All the way up and down the whole thing. And and it, and it reveals a, a, a grass, a really nice yard, right? And many times, a wonderful house behind all the trees. And that's kind of like what this show is like. I cut down the edges of the dogmatic imperfection. And I scrape the us-them off the sidewalk and the driveway and the gutter. And I cut down the idea that God is interested in calling down fire. Section by section, I'm tearing down strongholds. And behind all of that, we get to see that God shows mercy to people who mess up. We see that Jesus forgives before anyone asks him. We get a glimpse of the scales falling from the eyes of Peter when he realizes the Gentiles are clean too. They're already clean. And we see Paul realizes that circumcision is not really necessary. And we're left with this beautiful religious outlook that sees all of humanity the way God sees us. The Omega view. We're all created in God's image and likeness. Yes, we all mess up. But God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. God's not mad. God doesn't find fault in God's creation. Even when they nailed him to a cross, God forgives humanity. Go and do likewise. That's all I got for today. I, I, next week, why did Jesus die on the cross? That's a great question. It, it makes us... Remember, we, we talked about this. We're going to go as far as we can see, and when we get there, we'll be able to see a little bit further. And we're, 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 <laughs> I know it feels like we're, we're like out there, like, whoa, what's going on here? What's going on here? I, I know what it feels like. I've been there. I'm, I get it. Why in the world did Jesus have to die on the cross? It's a great question. Think about it for a week. Till next session. Hopefully, I can have a song in. It's a good one. Um, I'm in Amago Dias Omega Viewista. Anyway, you'll get the you'll get it uh, next week. Hopefully, that's a little bit of a preview. Um, but listen, thanks for watching today. Remember to like and share and uh, hit the little thumbs up and subscribe if you haven't done it already. And do this more than anything. If, if you don't do any of those things, do this. Do your best to see the original goodness in others the way God sees the original goodness in you. Thanks for watching. Dogmatically Imperfect with Justin Marson is a production of Original Goodness Media. Thanks to everyone who supports this podcast. If you want to become a supporter of the podcast, there are a couple ways to do that. If you want to support us financially, you can go to the website originalgoodness.media. The other way to support the show is to share it with others directly or by leaving a review. 
If you have thoughts or questions that you would like to share, please send an email to yabut at originalgoodness.media. That's Y-E-A-H-B-U-T at originalgoodness.media. Make sure to search for the show on your favorite podcast and social media platforms. Special thanks to The Real Night Terror for our theme music. See you next time.